Welcome to the Desert Street Podcast, the podcast helping you develop forex trading skills for more freedom. I'm your host, Etienne Kret. Let's get started right away. So, Latoyas Medin, welcome to the podcast. How's it going today? Awesome. How are you, Etienne? Thank you for having Pleasure me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. It's awesome to tell me before we go live that you are basically at, so now it's like 5 a.m. for your time in Boston, which is awesome. Okay. Yes, yes. So I appreciate it's that you are here for the interview. It's awesome. Yep, no problem. 5 a.m. getting ready to just open the shades so I can watch the sun come up. So that should be cool. <laughs> it's awesome. So one question I, I like to ask my guests to start with is what is one quote that inspires you? Uh, one quote that really inspires me. I like a lot of motivational speaking. Earl Nightingale. I definitely listen to him and like him. It helps shape my mindset and everything like that. I actually wrote it down because I don't want to badger the quote. So one thing that sticks out is no man can get rich himself unless he enriches others. So that's one quote of his that I, I definitely like and I found to be very true and impactful. Mm-hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. But then how would you apply this kind of curious to, to trading? How would that make sense in trading? So in this form of trading or in that sense, I go back more to what I actually, besides trading, which I love to do, the more you advance, the more you kind of want to give back in itself. So creating basically content that would help new traders basically shorten their learning curve and learn. So in in a sense, that's like giving back basically all my trials, my errors, and really just helping other traders out in that sense. Mm -hmm. I agree with you on that fact. So I've, I've seen in the past very few traders that are really good and never kind of share what they do. They like to share, like to teach. And explain yep. what they do because they learn better this way and they apply better this way. That makes a lot of sense. Correct. I agree with that. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. So let's go back in time. And I want to hear how you got involved in trading in the first place. What was that first experience for you in trading in the market? Okay, so I'm going to take, take you back. I promise I'm not that old. <laughs> but it feels that way at times. So we're going to go back to 2006. So 2005 is the year I actually graduated from college. 2006, pretty much my college friends and one of my childhood friends came back. They all went out of state. And I pretty much was the only one that stayed in the state to go to school. So she came back. We're all trying to figure out things. Okay, what's the next step besides finding a job? So she was like, hey, do you want to start an investment club? And I just thought it was a cool, intelligent thing to do since we all finished school, right? It made sense, right? Let's focus on something. So we got some friends together, like-minded friends, and we formed an investment club. Now, one of my roles I play, I was a treasurer of that club. So I collected money, was one of my responsibilities, funded the bank account, therefore transferred money at the time we all had Scott Trade into that broker account. Now, another thing, when we met once a month, we all got together and decided what stocks to buy for our portfolio. We had long-term, that long-term vision. And I was also responsible for actually going into account and placing that trade. 
So it was just like one of those things like, all right, this is the start of things. Now, as through time, let's say a month, two months, three months, six months, almost a year in, we had some core holdings. And I just started to notice things such as market fluctuations. I'm like, stocks move up, down. Our portfolio moved up, down, stagnant. So it just clicked to me. One month I went back to the group, I say, we should sell our positions because we're already up. But they didn't really get that concept because they're, they're not watching the, the markets like the way I was watching it at that time. So I couldn't convince them to sell out our portfolio and make other investments. So what I end up doing is opening up my own brokerage account. So I did it with $5,000 in cash, uh, opened that account, and I pretty much started buying stocks, just getting that sense of, I don't want to say thrill, but seeing how things were at the time. So one particular sector was the solar sector. It had this stock called SOLLF. It's no longer on the market, but it's very significant to me because that that stock, I will never forget when I purchased it during that time. I say it was about 2007, how the solars moved like crazy. I'm talking about 20% gains in two days. And by the end of the month, things were like 50% and stuff like that. So that really had an effect on me, like, wow, I can really make good amount of money in that short period of time. So that's pretty much how I really got involved with short-term trading. And during that period, I also worked for an investment bank. So that was one way I was able to stay glued to the computers because we have to stay glued anyways doing the things we were doing so I had a, a good opportunity to track and follow stocks and believe it or not it was very basic I used to use Yahoo Finance to track my trades don't ask me how I did it but that's mm-hmm. one way I did it did that job help you become a better trader or did it or you didn't like learn anything useful that you can apply in trading after so it was a journey. It was a journey, like yeah. everything else. So it's not like I got good just like that. That was not the case. That was just the experience in a sense to make me want to actually trade more. So during that process, what happened was friendly Google, of course, like everyone else be Google, right? So I started Googling how to start a hedge fund. One of the sites that came up was Tim Sykes, as we all know, but this is back now. We're in 2007. No one ever heard of this guy or anything like that. He didn't blow up. It was just a blog he had started talking about what he did in college and how he's going to XYZ. So long story short, I used to communicate back and forth with him doing the little uh, like penny stocks at the time. So I got involved now trading penny stocks. I saw the momentum. I saw the rush and everything like that. 2000, late 2007, 
going into the summer. That's when the market started to fall. Going into uh, 2000, and I will never forget. So it was actually 2008, September of 2008, because during that time I actually transitioned to another another uh, investment bank company. This bank had a lot of clients in terms of what they forced on their employees. So I couldn't have an account. Number one, if I had an account, I had to register the account through them and I had to get permission to buy and sell a stock. There's a lot of unnecessary restrictions how I felt. And during that time, um, the market was falling, of course. So what I end up doing since I couldn't trade my actual capital in my account how to get a LLC I'm not going to really go through the entire story but basically that was the way I found an opportunity to still hold on to some short-term positions buying a lot of stocks that were literally dirt cheap dirt cheap and I kind of fell back after that so just think about it like during that period, I'm in stocks. I'm not actively trading. I'm just holding on. And I actually stepped away to the market because I thought, all right, now I'm at this point in my life, at another job, making great money. What's next to do? Real estate, right? I figured, hey, let me buy a house. <laughs> that's what most people think. Like, that's what I felt that I needed to do in order to accomplish like this major goal, even though it wasn't necessarily something that I really wanted, but it's something I thought that kind of represent success, having your first house. So that's one of the um, reasons why I actually paused on trading, held a lot of stocks at that time, is because I went into buying a house in October of 2008. And uh, so I stepped away from the market for about a good year and a half, not actively trading, while those stocks just sat. They sat, they were cheap. And then over time, a few years, that's as we know, the market started to, uh, to bounce back up. But every now and then, I would peek online, and then I would see the, the accomplishments of so many others during that period of time that I had connections with. And like, wow, they've really done this through trading. And that would even inspire me even more to like, you know what? All I can ever do is eat, sleep, dream, and think about trading. So what ended up happening was that kind of got my act together and had to leave the job because I had the desire to trade. So I quit my job, long story short, and decided to take on trading full time. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That, that's a really good story, I think. I'm curious to hear about the kind of learning curve to go from nothing, knowing nothing about trading to, be, to becoming profitable in trading, and then the curve from going to being able to trade to going full-time. How are these two learning curves different? It's definitely different. So when, you have to remember, when I started to trade, I was working. So was it day trading. It was more so I bought a stock on a Monday and sold it by Wednesday or Friday. 
and this process will occur over and over. This is before I switched to the other job with the whole compliance issue. So when I actually left the other job and started, all right, let me get this act of day trading together, I realized it was not as easy <laughs> as I visualized it in my mind. It, it, it took me it took me some time in a sense to actually get that in my head. So I had a goal. Like everyone else, you need goals and you need to stick to your goals in order to try to achieve that. So my goal was basically I'm gonna make a thousand dollars a day day trading. That's what I thought. But that was not reality when I actually sat behind the computer screens to actually try to make the thousand dollars a day i realized that i didn't know what i was doing at all i was completely like clueless in a sense because swing trading and day trading two different things in a, in a sense when it comes to mindset as well as price fluctuations and how quick the moves move during intraday versus you're sitting holding something and then waiting over a period of time until it hits a, a target to realize um to realize profit so what ended up happening was i found a great awesome mentor and i got training in the sense of what i was doing incorrectly so one mentor, I had a few. So one mentor in particular was actually my cousin. He worked for a prop firm down in Florida. And he said, what are you doing, Latoya? Because I was showing him the stocks I was trading, and they were all candy stocks. He's like, why do you even touch these? Don't, you know? So I was like, okay, so show me a process. Show me a way of what you do. So basically, he was talking about the criteria that the prop firm had, which was you can't trade anything that has less than a million in volume. That was one criteria. Another thing was stocks that was traded was always $20 and up. And I was just asking him, how can I make money if I'm trading such large or mid to large caps? And they barely move because I couldn't get the concept. I was so used to trading the small caps where a couple of thousand shares, 10, 20 cents, you're, you're out of the position, right? That 10, 20 cents can make, or if you're wrong, it could definitely break you. So he's like, the thing is, mid to large caps, they can move between a dollar plus a day. So he said, think about it this way. You had 200 shares, it moves against you a dollar, you lose $200. But in a sense, if it goes up a dollar, you make $200. He told me it's easier to control your risk trading that way because of the way they move. It takes time for them to actually drop a dollar quickly versus you're losing, losing that, that dollar. So... I, I tried to see what he was talking about, and at the time, it was basically phone calls. We got on the platform together, and we'll look at the market to see, okay, exactly what we're going to trade today. 
and I, I've learned his thought process, the mindset, and exactly how to to tackle those trades. And I'll say about about two months in, it finally clicked. I was like, I got it. I see exactly. So during during that process, I wasn't actually trading small caps anymore. That's how I navigated into trading mid to large caps at that point. Awesome. So let's talk about your trading style these days. What does what does that look like? What kind of market do you trade and what kind of setup are you looking for? I trade gaps. So in the morning I focus primarily on trading gaps. So gaps are basically created based off of a news catalyst or earnings per se. So I trade a lot of earnings and what that looks like for me is anything that would report after the market closes or before the market closes. And what happens is I'll wake up about 7.30 a.m. Eastern, the earliest, and I'll go in and get my list of stocks that either report it or have some sort of gap in pre-market. And I always tell people this, I keep it very, very simple. All I want to do is find support, resistance, analyze that daily chart, visualize where that candle is going to form by the end of the day. And my job is to actually see how to trade it intraday. Now, there's a very particular strategy that I use, but not all gaps fit that strategy. So when that happens, I have to use actual, I'll call it advanced technicals in order to trade that stock according to the support and resistance levels that I found ahead of time. So that's my bread and butter. Um, and I usually trade that up until 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. You know, the market opens 9.30 a.m. Eastern. So the first 30 to probably 40 minutes of the market is extremely volatile and I make my money within that time. And then what I'll do after that, I'll kind of migrate over to the futures market. I trade crude oil pretty much every day. That is also an instrument of choice because it kind of reminds me of like a, a penny stock because it's one contract is equivalent to having a thousand barrels. So that's like having a thousand shares of let's say a small cap stock, that stock moves 10 cents. Every 10 cents is $100. So crude oil, every 10 ticks is $100. So that's why I love trading crude oil so much. So that's, those are really the markets I focus on. And I'll trade Forex every now and then, but more so I'm a swing trader in that market because me personally, I find that market moves slower then the gaps in the morning is much lower than crude. Crude would just just move just like that. Mm -hmm. So I uh, imagine for futures and forex, you use different methods. Those are not gaps, right? Right, they're not gaps. So the methods are similar because as I was explaining earlier, like with gap, there's a strategy. But if the the actual gap of that day does not fit the criteria of the strategy, I have to use other technicals. So the same technicals that I would use to trade those gaps are the same as that technicals I'll use to trade the forex market or 
the futures market is no difference. Awesome, cool. So I know a lot of people are kind of wondering, because you mentioned earlier about your mentors you had in the past, how do you yeah. find the, those mentors other than your cousin? Did you have to reach out to them or where did you find them exactly? Online, online. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so I found, I found one online. Um, it's a guy actually and very, very good with technical analysis. I've learned so much from him. Unbelievable in terms of certain things that I did not comprehend during the time. Because when I, like I mentioned before, when I stepped into the arena of day trading, I had no idea what I was doing. So I didn't look at daily charts. I didn't bother to find support resistance. I had no clue about that. As I mentioned before, I used to use Yahoo Finance to just buy a stock in terms of using the chart and my broker to execute. And, and that was it. And that was at Scott Trade during the time. So I can't trade off of Yahoo Finance today. I don't know how I was able to do it in the past. I need an actual platform where I could find support, I could find the resistant levels and go from there. So yes, online is where where I found this particular guy. Um, he's, he's not around anymore, fortunately, but I, I've learned so much, a great deal of things from him that I don't think I would have, I would have learned, um, anywhere else because he actually took the time to show and teach me we used to use skype a lot on on weekends and i'm i used to i used to dread it sometimes because i couldn't get it at first i didn't see it like all right explain why the support's here why the resistance here like that concept sometimes as a, a new trader it takes you a while to actually get and i take myself back to that point when I do mentor people now because I was once in their shoes. So I know that process takes some time to really explaining it over and over so they can actually get the actual uh, thought process. Mm -hmm. And I think one challenge that some people face is that they might see, especially now these are online with different mentors, they might see a lot of them. They might follow a few of them. And then how do they know which one to use or like what strategy to apply in the market? So that's the thing. Like during, during that time, there weren't many people around, I would say. Like now it's just like a dime a dozen, right? There's, there's so many to choose from. But it's more so, I think I lucked up and bumping into that person because at the time I was a very active participant within the Facebook communities, like some of these groups, much, much older traders than I am, been around for years, and used to engage a lot. I used to post a lot, buy here, sell here. I don't do that anymore. I stopped that probably like five years ago, but it's just like I lucked up and found in that person to actually take me under his wing and show me the ropes of the market. and. Nowadays, it's not that easy because there's so many. So it's more so finding someone that you could probably relate maybe to their personality or their their style of actual trading. And for me, it was like, and the thing is, he didn't focus on stocks. It was just natural chart support resistance. 
just traded, traded the futures market only, but it was able to be translated into stock. So that, that very concept and the style of teaching is what I use to trade all markets, basically, because it's so simple. Mm, that's simple. interesting. Yeah, yeah. What do you think that people you talk to a lot, like, what do you think that they do wrong? Usually new traders that try to do the same thing as you do. What, where do they kind of fall? I think when it's trading is very interesting because I was guilty of this, as, as you can see throughout the story is initially just jumping into it, right? It's something people look at like, this is easy. I thought it was easy. I can do this. This is you making money. Why can't, you know, you could replicate and do the same without any form of training, right? People just jump in. But I'm going to say here, most mentors would say they wish they had somebody to mentor them before they made mistakes or make those mistakes a repetitive habit. So that's one thing I will say. Like any new person getting into the market, try to find a mentor. It was save you so much pain, so much trouble, and basically shorten that learning curve. That's just that's just my two cents because I, I see it every day. I see it every day. New traders mm -hmm. or let's say traders that's been around two, three years and they're still struggling. They're getting all the YouTube content, whatever. Nothing's wrong with free in the world, but they don't have that structure to grasp it together and apply it so they could be successful. It's like one strategy after the next strategy. They just can't find that missing link and sometimes it'll be something so simple because i've come across that all the time so simple so simple otherwise one of these things that you are missing in the past in your trading these simple things yes so one, one of the things that my fault when i started what i was actually missing that connection with the market i didn't get the the time connection especially trading stocks there's a period of time when you trade. There's a period of time when you sit and you watch. And then there's a period of time when you trade again. That's the market in a nutshell. You have a trend, you have sideways consolidation where people no normally lose money because they don't know when not to trade. And then you will have a trend again. So that, that was my thing. So observation goes a long way when you sit, watch, and observe what the market's doing instead of you having your bias just to jump in and, and hey, I think this is gonna happen. No, money, you make money when you patiently wait. Let the trades come to you. Yeah, and the other thing that I find similar to this is people that have a hard time kind of walking away from the market. Let's say they wanna trade for the morning, but then they're gonna be there for the whole day because they wanna look for more setup and stuff. How do you make sure that you kind of go out or quit like 10.30 or whatever time in the morning? And so, after. here's the thing. A lot of my past experience and the failures or the drawdowns I had during the time, I implemented rules so that can never happen again to me. And one of my faults were I thought trading was about sitting here and trying to find as much trade as you can to make money. And that's not the idea or concept of trading period. The goal that I had in mind at the time, it was just one of those things I had to be humble about. 
So one of my rules is I cannot trade more than four times. No more than four trades. I'm, I'm talking specifically for the equity market trading gaps. If I make a certain amount of money within my first trade, that's another one, and I still have the desire to trade, meaning I got to put on trade number two, three, or four before I cut it out, I must scale down in my position. Why? Because if I already made a goal, why take the second trade with the same size and potentially give back money to the markets? That makes no sense. So I'm scaling down my size and therefore I'm controlling my risk. So that's one of the rules I implement, no more than four trades. And that keeps me disciplined to the fact where if I'm in trade number four by let's say 10, 30, 11, there's no reason for me to trade for the rest of the day. I either met my goal or I already met the number of trades that are defined in my rules, so I can't trade no more in terms of trading the equity market. And same for the other instruments. I'll probably make two to three trades trading crude. Sometimes only one, especially if you get that move. There's no reason to trade again. Hmm. That's very interesting because I've never heard anyone say they had a rule, like a number of, uh, number of trade rule per day. That, that's just surprising. And I think that makes a lot of sense too. And oh, that, yeah. Go ahead. It's, like I said, it's, I, I think rules within a plan should be developed based off of your bad habits and past yeah. experience. So a lot of my rules are based off of my past experience and things that did not work. If I'm eight, nine, ten trades and I'm red, something's wrong. I'm not appreciating money, number one. Number two, I'm making my broker rich, and I had no intentions on doing that. And number three, I'm killing my mind in terms of my thought process. Now I'm not thinking clearly or revenge trading. So all that stuff got implemented into a rule book of what I can do and cannot do when I'm actually trading. So it definitely, it helps you to avoid past habits that did not work for you in the first place. Mm -hmm. Now it probably became a habit for you, but in the beginning when you added those rules, were they hard to respect or pretty easy? Yes. No, no, the, the stop trading by, um, with four trades were, it was very hard for me. And because it's just like, I think initially, the thing with trading, it shows you your personality a lot. It shows you your flaws. And one of my flaws, I realized I had an issue with greed. I could be up all four trades just like, oh, this is good. I'm on a hot streak. Why stop? I can make more. So that was a battle within myself that I had to fight. And it was very hard for me initially. But over time, it got easier it got easier. Do you have tactics or things you've tried to make sure you respected your rules in the past? Yes, yes, definitely. So some people, many don't know me or many do, whatever, but um, I started, when I left my job, probably 2000, so I left in 2012, 2013, I had a little girl. And 2014, I had a second little girl. So I had two kids home with me. I didn't hire a babysitter, none of that. Because one of the one of my goals 
two was I wanted to be able to be present and raise my kids in terms of changing every diaper or not missing their first word or not missing their first step, right? Because a lot of times that I heard stories in the past, when a kid takes their first step, it happens to be at a babysitter. I didn't want to have any of those experiences. I wanted to experience that firsthand. And not only that, like my mother has four kids, four of us. My brother's the youngest. I think he's, can't calculate his age, probably 10 years younger than I am. But I remember growing up watching her take them to the babysitter and I just remember that thought process and her still having to work. And I had no desire to basically do that, right? So I came into trading with the goal. I wanted financial freedom, number one, but more so freedom with my time, especially I knew I wanted kids and to be able to raise them. So to get to your question, my two little girls are the reason what kept me from breaking those rules that I implemented because I wanted, after I done, I was done making my money, I wanted to spend time and do whatever they wanted to do, in a sense, if you know what I mean. That's really so good. I'm, I'm trading, I'm, I'm feeding, you know, once pocket during the time. It was hard, but it was manageable, and I would have never traded that experience for the world. Mm-hmm. For anything and in the world. That's really good. So it shows that you were thinking about your motivation first to respect your role, which really works well, I found in the past. It's awesome. So I'm curious to hear your tips on how to trade when you have kids at home, especially. I guess in the beginning, you had your kids at home and you had to trade and make it work. Because I feel like yes. if you don't have freedom, you might want to spend time with your kid, then you still have some work to do trading wise to get to your trading goals. So how did that, how do you manage that in the past? All right, so my daughters, by the way, one will be five next month, the other one's six. So with that said, I would say up until two years ago is when they finally started preschool, Mm. right? So preschool was that milestone for me as a parent. I'm like, I'm going to have more time to sit in front of these screens, number one, but really get things accomplished that I wanted to accomplish out of like trading and some other things as well. So during the time, what I end up doing besides rules around fostering my bad habits to make sure that I stayed consistent, another thing was a schedule that evolved around the two girls. We had a a great schedule because Till this day, they still get up every morning, the same time I do, 7.30 a.m. Eastern. We're up that time every morning, sometimes a little earlier, 7. We go through breakfast, we feed them breakfast. So I'm talking now in the past now, what I would do, feed them breakfast or a bottle or whatever it was, and I'll make sure I have snacks ready. Snacks ready. You have to remember we're dealing with, like, toddlers at the time, a baby, and um, Ava was probably like a, a year, a year and a half. So how do you entertain them while you're trying to do an hour in the market? So 7.30, we go through breakfast. Of course, diaper changes. I have to get snacks ready. And then I have to also think, okay, during the only hour where the markets really have that volatility, 
30. How do I entertain them for that hour? So they don't say, hey, not they wasn't talking, but, you know, crawl or do something that might make me miss a trade. So what I ended up doing was, at the time, it was just, I didn't even have a desktop. It was just my, my MacBook Pro, which I'm using now to speak to you on. I used to trade only on this. That's it. I would take it in their room, turn on the TV, little cartoons and stuff. They were, they were awesome. And this is, this is by nine. We're, we're upstairs. We're doing the motions, the TV on. And they will zone out. And then I'm able to sit, watch them do their thing, play or whatever, and do what I have to do at that time. So that's what helped me as well. Like stick to those rules and, and cut it off. I had no choice. I had no choice. Mm-hmm. And then I suppose you had a schedule of spending time with them later in the day after you've done your training. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Definitely. That's awesome. Good to hear your tips on that because I was curious about that for sure. So, uh, where can people find you know, if they want to connect with you or reach out after the podcast? All right. So, after the podcast, I'm on Facebook if you ever want to find me. I go by the name of Latoya M. Trading. Or you can find me on Instagram at the Profit Room. So you can find me there. Or if you want to email me, you can email me Latoya at theprofitroom.com. That's where you can find me. That's awesome. So Leslie, what kind of goals do you have for the future? So my future's goals is actually something that I'm working on right now. So one thing I want to give back to my community. So right now I do have a nonprofit and I am creating content to teach financial literacy in a sense of the markets. So it's going to be one big connection in terms of providing this information to the inner city. Because as I mentioned, I grew up in Boston. I grew up in the city, um, urban area. And I just take myself back everything that I do now I base it off of past experience so I just take myself back when I was in high school and what wasn't offered or provided so if I could be that beacon of hope and change and inspire the youth so they can see something other than what they just know I feel like I've done my job in terms of giving back because what I do is extremely rare for the inner city. I spoke at numerous engagements in terms of, you know, just giving back, or they had this financial building workshop, provided my time to, to share what I know about the markets. And everyone always comes up to say, oh, wow, you really, you, you day trade for a living? Like, they're shocked. They're shocked. And I'm like, yeah, you know, this is what I do. So it's like, why not give back? So that's, that's one of the things that I'm working on, that um, information will be available in the fall in the form of um, the nonprofit in order to give more exposures to the stuff that they do not teach you in school. They don't even teach this in college. It's like, it's, it's hidden, a hidden secret. Why? because we will be financially free, especially once we get it right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish I didn't teach that in school for sure. I would have took that class for sure, anytime. Exactly. As I would have, I would have too. I would have too. Cool. What's your main, what's your main motivation for this? For trading, my main motivation for trading or just giving back. Which for trading and giving back, I guess. There might be two different things, but of course you hear both. The reason why I trade, financial freedom and the respect of my time. I cannot tell you how much I hate, hate it working my nine to five. No matter how much money they paid me, it did not satisfy me as a person. Because I look at the time I had to commute to work, taking a train because I worked in the city. I looked at the time I had to, by the time I got home, what is there left? You're tired, right? from just mental frustration or whatever it is that you had to endure during your work day. And then you still have to probably fix yourself dinner. By the time you look around, it's eight o'clock. You got to go sleep to do the process all over again. I did not want to live that life. That's not what I envisioned as like, you know, a, a life that I wanted to live. I wanted something other. And I needed to find a way for me to get out that that structured system, I call it. And thank goodness for the investment club that opened my eyes to the possibilities of what the market can do. I always tell people, if you're not going to, or if you're not inventing something like a product that a lot of people flock to, for example, like Apple, right? The Mac, the phone, in order to make money, what else? What other avenues do you have? Real estate, right? Real estate, my first property, end up turning into many properties after. And that's a whole different subject, but that's another way you can build and create wealth. And then, of course, you have the markets where you can build and create wealth over a long term. Or if you have this skill, or acquired the skill to trade the markets, you can have your income. So it was like having your cake and eating it too, you know? So that, that's my motivation is that, that freedom of time to do whatever I want to do. And on, on my downtime, especially because my kids are in school, so my, my schedule is a little different than before. Before, when they were not, age ready for school I used to just up and all right I'm gonna head to Japan just travel or I'm gonna head to the Virgin Islands or take a wherever because I didn't have that constraint of having to clock in and clock out I could take my laptop and trade if I wanted to so that's that was my motivation time to do whatever it is that I wanted to do with my life Mm-hmm. And what about when it comes to giving back to people? Because I feel like some people might prefer to just deco traders and trade all the time. So mm-hmm. what pushes you to be able to give back to people? So in, in that sense, it boils back down to the inner city. Like the inner city, that's what makes me want to give back to the community. Because inner city at times could be flawed, right? Crimes or whatever it is due to the lack of opportunity. 
And I know we live in the information age. We shouldn't have any reason why people don't have opportunities easily accessible. But that's easy for me to say. But how about a, a real-life person that comes from their background showing them the opportunity? So since that's me, that's what um, I'm going to do in, in that sense. And that's, that's why I want to give back opportunity awesome. and showing them that, hey, this is possible. It's possible. Fantastic. So I have this question I asked all my guests in the podcast. If you could give people one piece of advice on how they can thrive as traders, what would that one piece of advice be? How they can survive as a trader? Thrive. Thrive. To be successful. Thrive. Thrive as an on trader. This is a long laundry list. To strive as a trader, remember always to prepare. Preparation is key. You must prepare. Have a goal. What is your goal? What is your motivation? What is your purpose? Why do you want to trade? Don't do it for the money. Please don't do it for the money. You have to have a bigger sense of purpose. Also have a plan. When you have a well-documented plan, it's hard to fail. It really is. Have those set of rules that's going to keep you in check and have consequences if you break your rules. So if I broke my rule, giving you an example, I couldn't trade the next day, punished myself. And I love trading, so I don't want to break my rules. Just giving you like um, stuff that helped me strive. Preparation is key. I can tell you just from experience, if I ever sat to the platform, I won't say today, but in the past, without preparing, I was guaranteed to lose money that day. It was a fact. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I just sat there and thought I could trade, right? So <laughs> preparation is key. And a, a, another thing that I found, too, over time, which I would not do because of that. Why did I do that? So one example is, let's say you're, you're in a trading community. Someone gives you a stock. Hey, look at this. You put it up. Oh, it looks good. You get into trading, you lose money. You know why you lost money? Because it wasn't your trade to start with. You didn't prepare yourself to trade it. I didn't find support resistance. I have no idea where that thing could go. So that's another thing. Make sure when you're trading, you have your own mind, your own plan, your own thoughts, and your own course of action. Avoid going down that, um, I call it the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> that's very long list indeed but I think those are all things people need to kind of go through and, and think about how they can apply for them for themselves yes, yes. powerful so uh, thank you so much for being here today it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast and look forward for next chat we'll have next interview in the future thank you Etienne for having me I definitely appreciate it